Hello, everybody. This is episode 107 of the War Chest Podcast. Today's guests are Mark Zarnecki. Did I get that right? All right. And Sam Castillo. Welcome on, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. I, I really appreciate it. I know we definitely both appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here, man. Definitely. Um, it's an honor to have both of you guys on. And this is the first uh, duo we have here. So we'll start um, on the left. Um, Mark, uh, where are you from, man? Uh, I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah, I spent uh, most of my life there until I was 18 and I went to college at the University of Akron. I ended up getting a full ride Army RTC scholarship out there. Oh, very cool. Now mm-hmm. let's go to, to the man of the right, Mr. <laughs> uh, Sam. Where are you, so, where man, are you from? Uh, yeah, so I grew up in the military. Uh, Dad was in the Army, moved around all my life up until high school where I went to high school in Atlanta, Georgia. So that's kind of what I call home. I went ninth grade through dropping out to all the bullshit from growing up and deciding I have no choice but to join the army. So. <laughs> now at what age and what year did uh, you, uh, both of you join the military? We'll start with uh, you first, Mark. Uh, I joined, I went active duty in 13, but um, uh, I technically joined legally in 11 with my scholarship, but I dropped my commission and enlisted in 13. Now uh, what it, what did, when you kind of, when you take on that kind of contract, do you get to pick your MOS or they pick your MOS for you? Um, so there, there comes a cutoff point. Uh, at a certain point, you either owe the Army the money back for college or you owe them time. But usually the enlistments go like, hey, I have to enlist. It's just like anything else. You get to pick your MOS. But I, uh, I went in as an 18 X-ray. 18 X-ray. And now how old were you when you took that on as an 18 X-ray? Uh, I was 20. 20. Okay. Holy shit, you're a fucking kid. And that's a, <laughs> that's a some crazy uh, boots to fill as a fucking 18 X-ray. For the listeners, 18 X-ray is either you you go into a special forces slot. So, therefore, you do they – in selection is where you become uh, the echo or, or the, the, the medic and all of that, right? The weapon sergeant and all that? Well, after you get selected – I mean, he knows about it better than I do. But uh, after you get selected, um, after you go through some other bullshit, you get to go to your – you get selected or basically picked – where you're going to get like a yeah when, a I, choice when I went of, through selection yeah. you got a sheet that said uh pick your mos like most favored to least a wish so, list yeah a wish list and then if you meet the requirements they'll give you the one you picked okay then, top of the list kind of thing now now let's go to uh to you sam yep what year and at what age and what mos did you uh enlist in so uh I joined in uh, during the Clinton administration, 1997. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was 20 years old. Uh, and again, I had nowhere else to go. So, I, you know, the Army was the only option I had left besides uh, unloading trucks and warehouses. So uh, they gave me the choice between uh, military intelligence guy, uh, interrogator, or gas pumper. And I chose military intelligence because my plan was to do four years. I learn a skill I could use and get out and get a lot of money. So you enlisted in 97? Yep. Enlisted in 97 as a, uh, what is the name of the job? It doesn't exist anymore. Strategic systems repair. So I fixed all the stuff that MI uses. I was black boxing. I was five years old when he enlisted. I was seven. (laughs) I was seven years old. (laughs) Holy shit. All right. So, (laughs) so it was completely two different ends of the spectrum as far as, uh, I mean, you were, we were little kids when 9/11 kicked off. Now let's 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 talk about 9/11 a little bit since we we have two different experiences here. 
for you, Mark, uh, where were you at and what was going through your head when 9-11 happened, if you even remember it as a little kid? Yeah, I was in fourth grade uh, when that happened. And um, I remember there was some like commotion going on, but the teachers really tried to keep it like a normal day. But I know like the, the parents were coming to pick certain kids up. Uh, I think my mom was a nurse and she was at work, so she just let me stay at school. It obviously wasn't anywhere near us. Um, and then she came and picked me up at that, the end of the day. But I didn't really know what go, was going on. She, my mom didn't really explain it to me. We watched the news some, some a little bit that day, but I was too young to really, you know, really fully comprehend what was happening. Yeah. Now let's go to uh, to Sam. <laughs> you, you remember yeah, all man. of that? You were in the fucking army. Yeah, man. I was. Uh, I was. Uh, first unit was Fort Meade, Maryland, and I was on PCS leave, waiting to go to Germany. Yeah. Uh, and I remember waking up to a phone call that I was staying with my parents and they called and said, turn on the TV right now. I uh, turned it on and yeah, no shit. The second plane's hitting the second tower uh, kind of thing. And uh, the reality started sinking in of what was happening. So it was nuts, man. Cause uh, uh, based on my job before and remember what it was in the late nineties, they tried to uh, blow up the world yeah. trade center with all those vans. So yeah, it was just kind of this uh, uh, rude awakening, man. Cause the army before was kind of a, uh, you know, peace time. What did we do? Yeah, fuck <laughs> off mode, man. Yeah. And uh, unless you're uh, a ranger or SF, you aren't getting any fucking yeah. action. Exactly. So uh, it was, it was, yeah, it was really interesting because I was on PCS leave waiting to go to Germany. So two days after that happened, I landed in Germany, got to my unit, and they said, Welcome to the unit. Here's a magazine and an M16, uh, a magazine with 10 rounds. I go stand at that gate at this, you know, housing area in Germany. They basically and I did that. You- he basically gave you a fucking musket. <laughs> yeah, Go stand right. post. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't so fire till they see the whites of the rise. Yeah, it was fucking nuts. <laughs> Holy shit. All right, so um, Mark, first experiences. You you go to, uh, you got an uh, 18 extra contract. What was that like going through at fucking 20 years old? Uh, So I had already had like a, basically like an intro with the military. As, as lame as it sounds, I was in JRTC for four years in high school. So I knew the military was something I wanted to do. And then, I mean, legally, I was in the Army in 11 going through ROTC in college. So I'd gone through a lot of that kind of stuff, you know, prepping to be an officer. Uh, once I enlisted and been to basic, it was kind of normal for me. You know, obviously, there's like, you know, the extra hours and you're doing a lot of that stuff. But a lot of that was normal because I was used to it. Um, upon graduating basic, I went straight to Airborne School, graduated that. Uh, and then got immediately shipped up to Bragg to start SF um, training stuff. And they had us in holdover because there were so many dudes. There were like 450 dudes going through. And there was some issues like with funds with the government at that time. They were like holding the, the military spending bill yeah. hostage. Uh, so we, I was in holdover for almost a year waiting to go to the queue or waiting to go to SFAS. A fucking uh, so year? Oh, damn near. It was like six or eight months, oh something my like that. God. Just, and basically when you're in holdover like that, you have pissed off brand new graduated Green Berets that like to haze people. So I just got hazed my entire life. This <laughs> got skull fucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so when the, when all this shit happens and you actually finally get pushed through, what was that like for you? Uh, SFAS was cool, man. Uh, well, I went to SOPSI first because that's one of the bonuses you get as an 18 X-ray coming through. You get to go to the prep course before you actually go to the SFAS. Um, if you come in straight from the Army, you just go straight to SFAS and you don't, you don't get the prep. Yeah. Um, so that was neat. Uh, you get a lot of extra help. You kind of basically – it's a mirror image 
of SFAS, unless they changed it. I mean, it's been a number of years. Um, minus team week. They don't let you do anything for team week. Uh, but that was cool. You know, um, I ended up having some issues with some, some physical stuff, uh, cause all the hazing and my friggin' mind wasn't right after all waiting all that time. I wasn't really into it. I missed some physical things and I got the boot and I got sent to the 82nd as a grunt after that. Is, oh man. So your fucking life went just completely in a different path. You went from, yeah. from fucking doing some high speed shit or possibility doing high speed shit to you're you're still going to be a grunt. You're still going to be the fucking most amazing mm -hmm. infantry force the world has ever known. But what was that like for you getting that kind of the, well, the so, uh, go ahead. What screwed me over was the, was the holdover time. Like I was super into it. Like I dropped my commission to do this, but that year of just waiting there, getting hazed, like I was like, what That's the hell a am long I doing? Time. That is a yeah. long time. And I was over it and I was like, I'm still going to spend another two years in this program and I still might not even get selected. So um, my head exactly wasn't super into it when I was going through SFAS and some of that intro stuff. Once I got there, and I was like, all I want to do is I want to get to a line unit. I want to deploy. That's all I care about yeah. at that point in time. And now was your wish granted of uh, deployment? Unfortunately not. <laughs> um, I, got sent to second, I got sent to second brigade in the 82nd, which at that time was known as the parade brigade because they hadn't deployed since like 2010. And it was like, to friggin' Haiti for a GRF mission when they had an earthquake. What? So if you went to like force command, like of the least deployed units, second brigade had been on there for a hot minute. Yeah. <laughs> so I was doing uh JRTCs. I did a whole GRF rotation, the global response force for a year with no drinking and all that dumb bullshit. And then friggin' wish gets granted and uh, 16, we finally come down on 2016. We finally come down on orders. To deploy and I'm, I'm ETSing in 18. So January of 17, we finally deployed to Baghdad to fight ISIS and kick him out of Mosul. So I did a nine month deployment in Baghdad. Uh, and then I came back, had three, three months and I got the hell out because I was friggin' over it. What was it like? Uh, was it, I mean, man, you went in, your military career took fucking three different turns. It went from being, possibly being an officer to saying, fuck that, going to SF to that not working out then you're uh in the 82nd and it's just they went all over the damn place and you were fucking you finally got to that deployment what was that like did you feel like it was all worth it did you feel like uh what, what was going through your mind when you when you finally boots on ground in the war zone so i was i, I was super stoked i was like full finally i was like i got to do what i signed up to do we're here like there's a legitimate enemy enemy it's isis they're in mosul they're right there they put us on friggin' guard duty in Baghdad. I spent nine months in Baghdad and didn't do dick. So I was uh, what you might call disgruntled. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> I'd be pissed too. <laughs> and and uh, so I was like, I'm over it. I'm going to get out. I'm going to contract. So I got out and got a contracting job. <laughs> Holy shit. So Sam, yeah. what was uh, your experience like? So after obviously the war kicks off, uh, the invasion happens. Where did you fall into place with all of this? So yeah, uh, 2001, I went to Germany. I was assigned to first armor division and, uh, you know, being a military intelligence maintenance guy, uh, working in the electronic shop. And at that time, the war was starting to ramp up. Things were starting to escalate. Uh, I was watching the news footage on AFN with the special forces guys and watching the news about what was happening in, uh, 
you know, Afghanistan. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that was always in my mind to try to go to special forces kind of thing. And then watching what they did in uh, Afghanistan at the beginning of the war, uh, truly inspirational. But uh, then Iraq kicked off and our unit was slotted to go like second behind third ACR, I think it was, who pushed into Baghdad. So we started getting ready to deploy. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's where we were in Baghdad in 03 and 04. So uh, we were right there in, I think, May is when we showed up to, you know, the Al-Saju Palace in the middle of Baghdad on the Tigers River and uh, spent 15 months there. You were uh, in the fucking Wild West days when you're fucking improvising and trying to, like, adapting and overcoming to all the shit that the enemy's throwing at you. That's fucking wild. It's fucking glorious, man. It was the coolest time because when we rolled in uh, to this palace complex, the only guys who'd been there before were guys I can't mention by name. And uh, I'm sure. so we got I know talking cool about. shit. <laughs> yep. Like I got a picture in the hallway was a gold-plated AK-47. So I got, you know, a picture with that. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it was just a really good time. And uh, where I was located right next doors was those guys. So I'm working in an office fucking looking at oscilloscopes and fixing electronics all day. And then the sun would go down and these little birds would take off and uh, every night. So I'd be like, those guys look like they're having a lot more fun than I am, <laughs> which inspired me during that deployment to put in my SF packet and, you know, uh, go to selection right after that deployment. So you, so. and that's like, you're like the perfect guy to go to selection. But you have a deployment under your belt. You have, you're a little older. You go there with uh, experience. What was your uh, selection process like or the Q course and all of that? So, uh, yeah, man. Uh, and yeah, what's funny is, uh, what Iraq in 03 was my third deployment. I'd been to Bosnia and Kosovo too. Oh, Jesus uh, Christ. Just my <laughs> fucking age. Right. Uh, no, but, which uh, is cool because those places, uh, I, I know some guys that were in, uh, in, in both those, uh, conflicts and there's some crazy shit, man, with the mass graves. And there's a lot of shit going on at those times. That a lot of people don't speak about or know about. Right. And, uh, you know, just real quick, a lot of people don't know the history and how, uh, uh, what, who was uh, the Mujahideen yeah. in that part of the world and uh, how it all ties together with what happened in Afghanistan. Uh, it's pretty interesting stuff. But uh, yeah, so uh, the thing is, I deployed to Bosnia and Kosovo. Uh, my first unit in the Army was uh, working for the NSA, the National Security Agency. Mm -hmm. So I was traveling by myself, working with civilian contractors, working on this equipment, kind of living the dream, man. It was really interesting. <laughs> so go to Baghdad, I'm with a big Army unit, and it was a totally different experience. And uh, being an E5 and then an E6 in Baghdad during that period, uh, uh, what was what did it feel like? You know, you're a glorified babysitter. You know, <laughs> yeah, hey yeah. man, I'm in management. I'm not. I'm not really doing my job. I'm dealing with all the fucking shenanigans of these privates. Ain't that the truth? And uh, that being said, like I said, every day I'd sit up on a guard tower and look over the fence, and there's all the task force guys uh, wearing their fucking shorts and M4s over their back with all kinds of shit on it, long hair. I'm like, again, they're having more fun. So. I put in my packet and in 04 went to selection, SF selection. And uh, for me, it was uh, kind of a living nightmare because I grew up in uh, offices, my first unit in the army from my team leader all the way up to my company commander were all females, right? And so it was a totally different culture. So then I'm in selection with everyone else in the army. And, just uh, swinging dicks you know, everywhere. Everybody's fucking yeah, high testosterone like, type A's. And it was fucking great because yeah. here's what I wanted to do for a living. And it was a great experience, but, uh, you know, fucking strap in and try to keep up. That's all I could do. And, uh, 
but again, I went to selection in 04. I actually didn't make it the first time. I failed the star course. So you've heard about that before. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, it's just time, man. Uh, route selection is key. And uh, what is it like? Here's three words for everyone in life. Have a plan. Yeah. <laughs> but not having a plan during landing out the first time really screwed me over. So I went back like three or four months later and got selected uh, as an 18 Delta, uh, the medical guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so uh, coming to Fort Bragg, was a cool experience just because that's where I had to learn quickly everything from small unit tactics then and then my job. I was an electronics computer guy. Then I got thrown in the medic course and uh, had a year of drinking through a fire hose, as they say. Absolutely, man. You guys, yeah, for sure. I mean, you have to fucking know everything. And a lot of, that's why, like, us grunts, we say the only people we fucking respect is either other grunts or the fucking medics because when we get shot, everybody looks to you to save us. Absolutely. And we yep. know basic shit like uh, the fucking uh, combat lifesaver course, but that's the bare minimum. I mean, you know shit that's in depth with the fucking. You have all the bells and whistles in your bag to go to save save lives. Right. Oh yeah, man. Uh, uh, nothing like doing a chest tube in the middle of nowhere on a Jesus dude. Jesus Christ. Uh, times and uh, just being stoked because you're actually doing what you're trained to do, kind of thing. And that's you know the beauty of the military when you get to do it. All of us haven't deployed. Yeah. And uh, your job, whether you're an infantryman or a medic or whatever, man, uh, doing it for real is a whole different level. Now, when you go to actually finally deploy doing something you actually loved as opposed to being a glorified babysitter, what was that like for you? So, yeah, I uh, so I graduated the Q course in 07 and got assigned to seventh group. Uh, Bravo Company, first battalion got put on a team because uh, they always need medics. Right. And uh, I was I say I was fortunate because within a couple months of arriving in the unit, we were in PMT, pre-mission training. Uh, and then a f- couple months after that, I was in Afghanistan on a combat deployment. What so year we Southern- was that? It was in 08. So oh. we were down in uh, the Helmand. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty fucking nuts. Yeah. yeah. I always say a story. Uh, I was there in 2010. And there's a wild story. I always say, first time we ever got shot at, uh, we were taking fire. And it was by uh, like a little SF uh, outpost. They had taken over a house in the middle of a fucking village. And yep. so we're taking fire. And then it, like everybody scrambling. Cause the first time we actually got our fucking cherry popped. And this SF guy was standing there with his fucking hands in his pocket with his hat, hat cocked back on his head. And he looked at us. He's like, ah, slow Wednesday, huh? Cause they were so used to taking so much fucking fire at that place. It was, it was, oh man, we just started laughing like you motherfucker. Cause to him, it was nothing to us. It was like the fight of our lives and shit. But it was just crazy oh, that yeah. the, the caliber of uh, of of uh, men that the fucking SF community produces. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, some of the most amazing human beings I've ever lived and worked with. Uh, I'm fortunate to have that experience. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, really cool. But yeah, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, what's his name, Chris uh, Sergeant Bales, the guy who killed all those innocent civilians in southern Afghanistan. Yeah. Uh, about- 2000 it was 10 2000 was the one that they made the movie about no this is the guy who uh i haven't seen a movie about it Uh, (laughs) oh because yeah there was a before we got there in 2009 there was a a unit that they kind of did the same shit and went and they were taking uh fucking cutting off fingers and keeping them as trophy and they made a fucking movie about it like wild shit Yep. No, this this guy, he was uh infantry uplift guy actually, uh with the team at the BSB site. 
oh in a little God. compound. Yeah. And uh, he killed like 19 civilians, men, women, and children. Fuck and hell. Uh, uh, about a few months after that, my team moved into that location. Mm-hmm. So we used to call it Tick 30 every day when the sun <laughs> hit a certain point on the horizon. And they just start handling that compound. And uh, day one, we're like, what the fuck? And the guys have been there a while. Yep. Hey, welcome to fucking Bellumby. Yeah. So yeah. But uh, what inspired me to be an SF guy was what we did at that uh, VSP, that village stability platform. And uh, by the end of our rotation, uh, the Taliban had been kicked out of that neighborhood and uh, they were waving Afghani flags and we made an impact. And it was really cool to see that, you know, the results of what you do. Cause most times in the army, you know, you have this uh, limited field of view, fucking kill anything in this fucking sector kind of thing. Yeah. And you don't get a big picture. So it was cool uh, as an SF guy to kind of see the foundations laid and then actually act on it later on. Once my first deployment, uh, I won't talk too much. Sorry to keep going, but uh, we kind of laid the framework. And then by the end of deployment, we're riding on the, you know, helicopters onto a target and, you know, getting the bad guys kind of thing. So it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Now, what was it like your first experience actually executing your job as a Delta? Uh, so, yeah, man. I know uh, these are the worst on, fucking times yeah. of your life. I mean, this is. Yeah. It depends on and where we go with that because, you know, one job is your combat trauma, oh, fuck, gunshot wounds, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing. Your side is taking care of your dudes and your uplift people, right? Absolutely. So uh, everything from an Afghani dude walking up to you saying, hey, man, pulls down his pants and whips out of shit and it looks like a fucking medieval plague is going on. <laughs> and, uh, right? I treat this. Good times. So, again, uh, dude's getting shot up. Yeah. And uh, that trip in 08, uh, we lost three dudes to an IED. So uh, three of our teammates. Yeah. And uh, that was the, the biggest awakening because before that, it's, it's kind of cool. You're patching wounds. You're helping your dudes and fixing things. But uh, kind of like that next level of uh, treating dudes and, uh, knowing that I'm doing all I can, but that's the best you can do. It's kind of yeah. an eye-opener. And it's it's but, tough uh, because, uh, especially for you guys, I mean, if you are that that safety net, and if it slips to your fingers, all the blame, like not the blame, but like that weight carries on on you. Because once something gets popped, we can do our job like the best we can do, but then it's handed off to you, and then you're that, like I said, that safety net to to help them. And so yeah. I can, I, I can't imagine the fucking, the weight that was on your, your shoulders during these deployments because you're the guy that you're the go-to guy. Right. Oh yeah. And, uh, it, what is it? Some guys, I think, uh, still struggle with it. What do they call it? Survivor syndrome. Survivor, yeah, survivor's guilt. Yeah. Or, uh, medics like to beat themselves up a lot. I wish I'd done more. If I'd done this X, Y, and Z, I might've saved him. But, uh, yeah, man, it's hard to let go for some people. Yeah. But man, do the best you can, man. Absolutely. But what do they say? When your number's up, your number's up. Like there's nothing anyone can do about it. Exactly. And that shit sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Mark, you, uh, you said you got into contracting, um, after you got out of, you left the 82nd and how did that come about? Uh, well, I got very lucky. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of how that came about. Uh, they're having a job fair at the Iron Mike center here on Bragg. It's a new convention center they built right before I was getting out. And uh, it's actually how I got involved in this business too. Uh, at the same at the same job fair, uh, I got hired here to be an employee at the Rock, and then I also was going around to like all the you know contracting companies, like, hey, you guys need anybody? All this kind of stuff. I went up to SOC, and they're like, eh, you might be an E5. You have a nine month deployment. Uh, we usually want dudes that have a year downrange kind of thing. 
uh, well, I was like, well, I have a TSSEI and I was an infantryman. They're like, put your name down. We'll call you. <laughs> uh, so my TS saved me, which I kind of hoped it would. I, I spent a lot of time trying to get that thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so they, they ended up calling me and they're like, Hey, you don't exactly have the background that we, we want for this job, but you have the, like, you, you have enough of the background that we'll send you through the training. And if you pass, you pass. If you don't, you don't kind of thing. You know what I mean? I ended up going through the training. I didn't even know really what the job was. Uh, I was so frigging green about contracting. I didn't know what was going on. Um, I ended up going to the training and figuring out what it was. Uh, have you ever heard of GRS? No, I'm not familiar with that. Uh, have you seen 13 hours? Oh, yes. I know. I know. <laughs> so, uh, I'm familiar with uh, somebody who was there after mm-hmm. the fact or that went in to go yeah, recover right. them. <laughs> Yeah, that, that house is split into two. There's mobile and there's static. And uh, I ended up you still there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I got a phone call. Sorry. Yeah, I got you. Uh, so that, that house is split into two, mobile and static. Uh, I ended up getting a, a static position with those guys and uh, got really lucky. And then in the summer of 18, I went on my first appointment with them. Now, what was your task and purpose when you go on these uh, contracting deployments? I mean, this is the civilian side of things now. Now you have you're not so hounded by fucking coin and hearts and minds and all this shit. What was it like for you uh, actually having a little less uh, of the army on you? Yeah. So there's a lot more freedom of movement with basically everything that you do. And you also work. Uh, it's a lot of grown up world rules because you, you generally work by yourself. You're very, very rarely with a lot of other people kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the main goal for those people is intel collection. Right. And our job is just to make sure that they're OK whether that be driving them out through town or just protecting the base in general kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's a lot of sitting around and contracting is a lot of fun and it's really cool, especially with all the excess free time and all the extra crap that we get to do. Uh, minus when contract, when it goes bad, it goes really bad kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Because for you guys, you, you don't have the assets like the U S army does or SF or, or anybody. Yeah, well, so I mean, after Benghazi happened, a lot of that stuff kind of shifted. So there was a lot more support that was put towards contractors and the State Department and stuff like that from the Army if shit went south. Yeah. Um, but still, you're like, it's us, you know, and you can't really call too many people to come help you out kind of thing. Now, what kind of a weapon system were you carrying at this time? Uh not super supposed to get into it, um, but they recently changed weapon systems, so I think it'll be okay. Was it high speed or not high speed? Was it more at, high speed than time, what you had in the 82nd? Yeah. At the time, we had LWRCs. Okay. Yeah. That's that's pretty uh, fucking cool. They recently changed the new stuff, but I'm, I'm not going to talk about it, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, that's, that's crazy, man. You've fucking done all kinds of shit, you, you, and then you finally went and, and done all, you've done all kinds of shit, like. What else? <laughs> Fuck. It's, it's, it's fucking laughing yeah. over there. <laughs> so I ended up doing three deployments with them and legally I still work for them. I'm supposed to deploy again in August, but um, I, I think my focus is kind of shifting towards this business and I, I probably might not catch that deployment in August and I might be done. How long are your deployments? Uh, so they're usually three to four months. Three to four months. And it is kind of like a rotation type deal with, yeah, you do you do a couple months, come home for a couple months, go for a couple months, kind of thing. And then in your off time, you are with your with uh, you said the the rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's kind of a funny story too, which goes back to that uh, <laughs> that um, job fair. 
So I ended up getting a job at this business, the, the Rock, uh, which is a custom gun store. We do everything, you know, Cerakote, uh, laser engraving, gunsmithing, machining. We have lathes and mills. We, if you can dream about a gun, we can do it here. Um, but basically, it was a brand new business in 2018 that Sam started. And I was just looking for something to do to kill some time and make some extra money, you know, while I was waiting for the contracting thing to kick off. So I was like, oh, cool, I'll work here, you know, you know, maybe I'll learn a thing or two about guns and, you know, in the meantime. And once my first contracting thing went up, the or like I was about to leave to go to training, the manager at the time basically was like fired me. He's like, here's your pet last check. See you later. Bye. And I was like, cool, man. That's that's sweet. And um, so I went to training. I passed it uh, and stuff. And I came back and I just went back to the store because I obviously had friends there. I'd worked there for a couple months. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, what's going on? All this kind of stuff. And Sam came out and was like, yeah, she's she's fired. You want your job back? <laughs> so I came back to work for a little bit and then I caught that first deployment. And when I came back from that, I was like, I had saved some money because we make pretty good money. And I was like, you're looking for a business partner. And uh, I handed over the biggest check I've ever signed in my life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. So then now you guys became business partners. Yeah. Very, so, so Sam, what, uh, what sparked this in you to go ahead and go this, this route when you, uh, so how, what was kind of your exit from from the from the SF community? So, yeah, uh, yeah, long story short, I did 20 years in the Army and uh, uh, in Special Forces, you, you do your team time, yeah. go as long as you can. I got lucky. I went from an 18 Delta to an 18 Fox, an Intel guy, and uh, spent a couple some years doing that. And then I had to come here to Fort Bragg to do your your SWIC tour. I'm sure you've heard about that, mm. where your schoolhouse time kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I had a buddy up here in front of me, another 18 Delta, who found a really cool position, which gave him the opportunity to uh, finish out his civilian certifications. So he, he, I met the guys, met everyone, got integrated. So when I PCS to Fort Bragg, uh, they put me in that job. And it was great because that's where I was able to get my, my civilian paramedic license, a bunch of other advanced schools for, you know, so the civilian side. And I spent my time here basically prepping to get out. And uh, my plan was like so many other special forces medics was to start a medical training company and be the standard bearer across the board for medical training. I've been there and done it all. So you're going to want to come to my class, but uh, here in Fayetteville, North Carolina, I could throw a rock in any direction and hit someone with the same qualifications as me. Yeah. So talking about a saturated (laughs) market, everyone, their fucking brother's doing it. So I actually tried three other businesses before a buddy of mine, former teammate, said, hey, man, you should open a range and get into guns. So that sparked an idea, and I started doing my research. So I talked to the county, talked to the police, talked to the zoning people, went to SHOT Show back in 2018, and uh, just learned all I could about the industry and saw an opportunity here in Fayetteville. So decided to go ahead and find some space and create a gun store. And the idea being we're changing the experience of buying a gun in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And uh, uh, you were a Marine, right? No, Army. Oh, you're Army? Yeah. Uh, were you ever at Bragg? No, never at Bragg. I was in uh, Vilsack, Germany with uh, Second Cav. Okay, so yeah, Vilsack. Oh, that was a shit, man. Not a bad <laughs> spot. But, but uh, again, Fort Bragg, most military towns in the United States, what do they exist for? Take money from Joe. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you. Fucking, you know what you're talking about. What is it, about? Ranger Joe's right outside of fucking uh, uh, 
for betting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. And uh, that being said, is uh, you go to um, this was when I was younger. I'll say it like this: uh, you go to a gun store that you walk in. It's a dude looks like Mark who looks at you like you're a fucking idiot and you don't know what you want. I'm going to tell you what you want because I was an operator, right? And all yeah, that bullshit. Yeah. So I just wanted to change the experience and create a place that felt more like a skate shop, you know? Let's fucking look at cool shit, talk about cool times, and roll a joint, go in the back and smoke that fucker, right? So just, you know, different experience. And uh, that being said, as it progressed, it turned into my idea to have a range and a fucking, you know, fucking pro shop for guns turned into uh, meeting Nathan, our gunsmith, uh, another former Army guy, and uh, turning it into a custom gun shop. And uh, it's been interesting because uh, what's the beauty of being a small organization is you're agile. Yeah. So we've adjusted to over the years to become what we are now. And like Mark said, uh, anything custom with the machines, if we can't find the part, we can make that motherfucker. And uh, it is important to me to offer that because no one's been doing that. Uh, the last true gunsmith in Fayetteville, North Carolina was in the late 90s. Holy so shit. So you completely have a basically a monopoly on that market where you dominate that industry. Yep, and, and what's funny is when we first opened every gun store, I think there's over 40 gun stores in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and uh, everyone was looking at us like, who the hell are these people? Mm. And, uh, well, we've established our footprint. Now the guys who've been here for 40-plus years are sending people to us mm -hmm. because no one does what we do. And uh, we're not trying to dominate the market and take business from them. We're trying to support the community by offering what no one else does. So buy your gun down the street. Bring it to us and we'll make it better. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and that, that was always the goal. And, you know, we have bigger aspirations in the long term. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to create a, a basically a fucking cool spot to hang out so I don't have to work for a living. <laughs> and now, 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 Mark, he, he – uh, Sam had told you all about this. He kind of set the foundation and then you've seen what he had kind of planned and that was enough to – you said write the biggest check of your life and jump on in. Yeah, I uh, I, I kind of always knew I wanted to be in business, and I, I also knew that I didn't want to contract forever, and I also knew my marriage wouldn't support me contracting forever. <laughs> they never do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, my wife's been through a little bit of the ringer with my freaking career, but <laughs> that's besides the point. Um, but basically, I was young enough to where I was like, uh, everybody tells you. You invest when you're young, right? Because you have the, you know, time to be able to, like, if it goes bad, you can make up for it kind of yeah. thing. So I was like, this is a long-term investment for me. If it goes bad, it goes bad. I'm, you know, I'm willing to deal with that. It's small business. It, shit happens, right? Um, but if it ends up paying off and it becomes, you know, a, a good business here in town and it ends up becoming stable, you know, it's going to be good for me and my family, hopefully for the rest of our life kind of thing. That's awesome. So, now, so it's just uh, three of you total that are, are running, running your, uh, the shop? Oh, uh, no, we have what nine employees? Yeah, I think we have a crew of nine right yeah, now. Yeah, nine employees. So, in that crew of nine, are you guys all uh, combat vets? Everybody except uh, the, the wives, Erica and Lauren, um, they're both uh, combat vet wives. No, no, so I'm saying like it's cool that you guys have this, you guys are like within your own little uh, small community within like surrounded by like minded individuals, and this is kind of how you guys you run your business with, with guys that have the same interests as you. and know what works and doesn't work and especially some of these guys have proven and used these things are are battle tested and use these weapon systems down range and you guys go and modify them to be better for doing what they're intended for 
Yeah, I mean, everybody here that works here is a vet, and there's a lot of stuff that is tried and true or, you know, is gimmicky. And, yeah, I mean, it's your money, and if you want to spend it that way, we got no issue doing whatever you want. Um, I, I would almost kind of consider us now a little bit of a hot rod shop when it comes to guns. Yeah, that's a good way to put yeah, it. Yeah, that's yeah. perfect. What is yeah. that? Uh, what is that fucking the? What is that? The monkey garage? <laughs> yeah. So basically, like, if you want to make, yeah, if you want to make something freaking stupid, we'll make it for you. You know, we. Uh, have you ever seen the Fight Light Raider? That stupid little like pirate looking AR lower thing. No, it has like a pirate. Yeah, so it's like um, basically like an AR-15, but it looks like a like a pirate pistol kind of thing. We took one of those and we made it in fifty Beowulf. Like, we if you what want something stuff, we can take it. Okay. Yeah, oh. if you go to our Instagram, I think it's on there. You'll yeah. see us shooting that fucking thing. <laughs> oh my! Uh, yeah. What's oh, March one handed fifty caliber <laughs> fifty Beowulf fucking little? It was about this big. Yeah, semi-automatic, like ten round mag, like pow, pow, pow. insane. Now let's go from from Mark. What is your your favorite we- weapon system of all time? And now, if you were getting spun up tomorrow and you were going to fucking go fight China, what weapon system would you carry? Oh, dude, I would either the bearer or the Mahdi's, man. I love both those things. <laughs> yeah, Barrett's, Barrett's a lot of fun. I've done a lot of, like, um, like classes and training on the Barrett, and I, I freaking crush that weapon system. I love that thing. That thing's a, a big-ass yeah. fucking beast. My buddy who's uh, SF, he, he's still in, and this fucker, we have in, in a video of him in Bulgaria – just shoulder fired it, bow, 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 bow. And our other buddies behind, which is, who's also SF, fucking go figure. He's behind him, like fucking humping the damn, the <laughs> humping the air behind yeah. him as every fire, every shot he fires. <laughs> Just uh, fucking yeah. madness. We were, doing, we were doing a training course one time. It was it was two days of Barrett, and the first day is like more long range, you know, mile and change kind of, you know, long range targets. That's fine. We had a good time. Um, but we had a lot of leeway at that course. And that night we went out and got friggin' wasted. And the next day we came in and we were running Barrett's out of context buildings, like, like as battle rifles, like, Oh my God. Transitions. And we're just, just like, you know, even with ear pro on inside the context, that is definitely, you know, pow, 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 pow. You know it, you're just like, Oh God, this sucks so bad. Fucking TBI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good time, man. Now, uh, Sam, same question to you. What, uh, what would your go-to weapon system be? Oh man, that's a tough one. Uh, depending on where I am, I like the Mark 48, the little short version of the mm. 240 Bravo. That's a good one too. Yeah, yeah I think so much fucking fun. Oh man, it, uh, is it yeah, belt really fed? Just, yeah. It's a uh, so uh, take take a saw and make it 762. Yeah, yeah, basically. Holy shit! Okay, but I hope it doesn't yeah. jam as much as that fucking saw. No, it's and again, it's like a 240 Bravo. Yeah, uh, just cut in half, and it looks like just saw. tactical. Mm-hmm. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. And again, it's, uh, I'm not trying to reach long. I just want to fucking put as many rounds down range to fuck you up as I can. Kind yeah. Of thing. Keep the fucking heads down. Other than that, uh, my first deployment in, uh, to Afghanistan with SF, I carried a, what, uh, Mark, the goddamn thumper, man. Fucking oh, grenade launcher. Oh, God. Mark 48. Oh, the, the 203 or the 320? No, it was neither one of those. The, the one from Vietnam, the, the old one ass from one. Vietnam, the man, fu- with the wood. What? Oh, yeah, man. I fucking love that thing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the one that's attached is its own weapon system. Yeah, it, it fucking opens like a fucking. I didn't even know yeah. we had those in operation. What yeah. the? F- I never knew that. Uh, that and uh, hand firing sixty millimeter mortar. I mean, love that thing too. Oh, that's fucking badass. Now, what are what are your guys' plans for the future? What do you guys uh, hope to take this thing and 
where do you guys uh, plan to go in the future? Oh God. I mean, we just moved into this building. Um, we've only been open for three and a half years. And after the first year we all grew our first building, we just moved into this one in December and we're starting out to grow this one already. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I hope that was, I wish that was going to last a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, it's funny. Cause our first building, it was like a garage. We're just, everyone's on top of each other. There's no room for shit, but we got machines running and all this stuff happening. Uh, we moved into this space and it was great for a few months, but now it's getting tight here. And uh, the long term is to expand into our own structure mm -hmm. uh, with an indoor range. So ideal being, uh, we build your gun once it's complete. Let's go in the back and you can shoot it. That is badass. Do you guys still uh, run uh, outdoor ranges? Yeah, we have a private range in Sanford, North Carolina, which is about 45 minutes away from here. And uh, we teach everything from concealed carry, basic pistol, basic rifle, individualized training. Uh, it's very private. So, like, if I go out there and you want to do an individual, uh, I'm the RO. So, if you want to run a gun and do whatever the hell you want, uh, I'll run a gun with you. I don't care. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Now, do you guys uh, attend? Uh, you said you, you guys had mentioned uh, you went to SHOT Show in 2018. Do you guys still frequent uh, SHOT Show? We went in, what, 19? Yeah, I think we went in 19. Yeah, yeah. before COVID, we went in 19. Is it, yeah. Are they going to do another one uh, this year? Uh, they, this year was virtual because yeah, it's in the beginning of the year, like okay. February. Okay. Uh, at the end of January. And I think they're doing another one next year. Yeah. Uh, back to the original place in Vegas kind of thing. So plan on going to that. So with you, you guys, you know, go. I'll say again. If you get a chance to go, fucking do it. Yeah, I've heard, it's a killer. I've heard. There, it's a party. I've heard. I've heard a lot of a lot of people I have out that that uh, own businesses. They always recommend going there because they said it's like a good time and you get to see the who's who of uh, within like the vet community, all the crazy shit they got going on. So yeah, I we, definitely got to check it out. Yeah, the year we went, we went to Burbiz first, which is a veteran like uh, networking event mm -hmm. that got stupid after a while because everything was free. And then uh, <laughs> Heather Lynn was there, that giant ass dude that uh, in the Navy, that's like that chef that works at the White House. He was there um, like friggin a bunch of people from Range 15. The movie were there. Yeah. And then the next night we got invited to the grunt style only oh, yeah, invite party at the, the private thing at the top of the palms. And I think got stupid, too. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that's yeah, badass, man. Yeah, they had a midget, and after it was like a little set, and he's like, if you have a $20 bill or bigger, you can staple it to me, and I get to keep it. <laughs> Just fucking bleeding out from all the fucking staple wounds. <laughs> um, so you guys being a veteran-owned uh, company, is it is your guys' like mission to hire veterans, or do you guys hire anybody, or how do you guys go about doing that? Uh, That's a good question. Yeah, I mean – if we could hire a vet, that'd be preferred. But if I think in our profession, uh, skills are technically more important, especially when it comes to the firearms and the, and the precision machining that mm -hmm. needs to happen kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. One of our guys, uh, we brought him on board. Uh, he worked for a medical research company running a multi-million dollar machine shop. And, uh, we brought him on board and he's a rock star. So he supports, veteran causes is, i mean he's technically about yeah pretty much yeah, but well, uh he is. He was, back in the 80s, he was. was he yeah i didn't know that tom yeah, yeah he, he's he, old as dirt man. yeah he's he, way older than me man he, he was a vet but a long time ago yeah yeah <laughs> yeah they were like fucking greens yeah BDU, <laughs> now if both of you had a an unlimited budget to design the craziest weapon or do whatever the fuck you wanted to do 
We'll start with you first, Mark. What would it what would it be? A limited budget. Oh God. Uh I would make something take a take a two forty and make it like fire fifty BMG. So it's like mobile. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, so so like yeah, it'd be nuts. Uh so basically so it'd be like considerably more mobile then the modus obviously it wouldn't last as long and it'd probably have a lot of durability issues but for what for the little bit that you get it rocking and rolling it's going to do its thing <laughs> yeah. yeah now sam same question uh really i'm i'm uh my dream is a precision bolt gun kind of thing so just a good lightweight that'll reach out to a mile single shot yep yeah man bolt action oh bolt action sorry i didn't hear that yeah, that'd be, that'd be the dream. That's, that's, do you guys do also like the custom uh, engraving or anything like, like that? Mm-hmm. Well, not, not hand engraving. We have a laser engraver. So could you do like those fucking gold plated engraved cartel fucking 45s? Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. Oh yep. my God. What's the craziest <laughs> request you guys have, uh, have had? Oh, God. That's a good one. Yeah, I don't know. Man, know. Was, there's been some really interesting weird. things that <laughs> yeah. shit that's come through here. Uh, um, that we were able to follow through with legally. Or, yeah. you know, <laughs> we're going to talk offline. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, just let's go legal first because this is this is exactly. on air. Let's see one of the craziest ones we've done. Yeah, that's a good one, man. Uh, we fixed that, that Maxim. Yeah, we had a – yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Uh, getting a 1919 Maxim machine gun operational. From the water pool. Fucking machine gun, and uh, that was cool. Had a what the MG42? Yeah, we had an MG42 in here. World we had, we had that M60 that yeah. was in here that was broken, fully automatic. Yeah, yeah but we got that functioning, and then mm-hmm. took it out in the range to test fire. That's fucking yeah. badass. Dang, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, there's some cool guns that come through here that we get to work on on occasion. But uh, I'm trying to think of the craziest request. We get some interesting things, man. Uh, we'll give our tag, and I really want to encourage people to look at our Instagram and Facebook. Absolutely. See yeah weird stuff but uh god i'm trying to think there was an sks that they tried to shorten down to oh yeah shoot sure. yeah oh, but... what about the mp5 clone that's like uh integral suppressor oh yeah guys spent a lot of money for us to yeah build an mp5 clone um and integrally suppress it what the so, hell yeah we've like built all the stuff basically he sent us the can but we machined and built everything else basically yeah. That's cool, man. That that's impressive that you guys can do everything in house and just pretty much facilitate whatever these guys crazy offers they throw at you. You guys do your best to fucking accommodate. Yeah, there's a lot of older guns too that they like don't make parts for that we can like if we can't find it, we can usually make it to make that firearm functional again, kind of thing. That's freaking awesome. Yeah, so, it, uh, yeah, just we need to get you out here, man. And I <laughs> I'm, I'm serious because uh, we can take a fucking square uh, cube of fucking aluminum and make whatever we want. Yeah. I, I fucking fun. bet. I, I I bet. Yeah. The stuff you guys are talking about is freaking that's that's cool that there's no problem or, or, or request too big or too great that you guys can't facilitate and go freaking bring that thing and have it firing down range. Yeah, generally not. I don't think there's anything I've asked Nate that he can't do so far. So Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so... Yeah, again, you're only limited by your imagination and uh, your pocketbook, I guess. But. Yeah, but that was the dream, man. Just create a place where uh, the sky's the limit. We're not just 
trying to resell other people's stuff and upsell or, you know, fucking turn you on to whatever guys like what they like, but, uh, we can, we can take it to that next level. And that's, that's what's cool about this place. Now, do you guys, uh, go and run those ranges, both of your, your, yourselves, uh, as, as far as somebody wants to say, somebody wants to go do some, uh, some quote unquote high speed training and we'll, are both of you guys instructors on the, on those ranges? You said that is 45 minutes away from your location. Mm -hmm. Yes. We, we kind of split that duty. Uh, he generally does more of the concealed carry. I do some more of the like basic pistol, basic rifle and individualized, but, uh, uh, we, we do pretty good for covering down on each other if we need to. That's awesome. Now, do you guys uh, plan to expand your team or bring different guys in to, to accommodate, uh, maybe some long, some long LRM, like freaking, some sniper type shit. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Well, we actually already do. So we, we sponsor two uh, long range shooters, uh, Dan Posey and Bryce York. They're both well, actually still uh, active SF guys. Um, uh, Dan Posey, he won the U S army sniper competition this year. And then uh, Bryce and Dan both routinely win like top fives and uh, the precision circuits that they run with the bolt guns that we build for them. So if you're looking for long range, uh, we can lead you to those guys and they can teach you the stuff. And there's a uh, range called Coleman's Creek here in North Carolina. It's about an hour and a half from here um, that you can go out there and shoot as far as you want kind of thing. Yeah, and Bryce or Dan, like like Mark said, are instructors uh, not only uh, out there, but for the military as well. So yeah. Get in charge of the Special Forces sniper stuff. Now, if somebody wants to get a hold of, uh, of you guys and maybe go sign up for one of these ranges or just go and buy a tricked out pistol or, or rifle, how they go about doing so? Uh, so our website is the best way to get like almost all of the information. It's therockguns.com, just www.therockguns.com. Um, our Instagram is the rock guns. Uh, basically all of our stuff is the rock guns. So, <laughs> um, our, our biggest ones are our website and our Instagram. Very cool. Now you guys have both have a, a, a background in the military background and combat vet background. What would your advice is kind of swing this another way. What would your advice be to, somebody going through a hard time, uh, maybe a veteran struggling, a civilian struggling, what would your advice to be them be to them to get them through this tough time, especially where we're hit, hit, uh, getting out of COVID, thank God. But let's start with you, Mark. What would your advice be to them? Um, uh, I, I took <laughs> from, from the Army, it was basically, you, you, being an infantryman, it was kind of a running joke, you know. It could always be worse. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And it, in general, it can always be worse. Obviously, there's a there's a point where it's kind of like this is is what it is. But in usual, it can always be worse. So think about that, that it could be worse. And then kind of take a minute, take a breather, figure out what your initial steps need to be. They don't need to be big ones. They don't need to be like ginormous leaps like, hey, I don't have a job. Maybe I can work at McDonald's. Is that super fun or cool? No, but suck it up for a little bit. Right. I mean, yeah. we can. You know, we're, we're friggin' army people. We can suck anything up for a little bit, right? Uh, just kind of just keep moving forward. You know, there's always some something out there. On to you, Sam. I think Mark touched on something really huge, and it's uh, one thing at, at selection, man. One thing in the Q course, man. Leave your pride at the door. No one gives a shit what you've done or what you, who you think you are. So show up man and do the work even if it means having to work at mcdonald's uh do you have any kids yeah i just have a i have a six month old my only one and, son uh, 
and again, there, there's, there's trepidation approaching this and then they're born. Yeah. And then you're like, Oh fuck, I'm committed. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I get, I would say community and relationships to me are the biggest thing. And that's our really our end state with the rock guns. Uh, I don't give a fuck if I become a millionaire. What I care about is, uh, Will Romer coming in here and feeling like he's home and whoever else comes in here, uh, Justin, fucking Nate, any of these guys and, uh, remind them that you have family everywhere because we've all been through the same bullshit, yeah. whether it's basic training or combat deployment, man. And, uh, reminding people you're not alone. And, uh, I, th I think that's uh, one of the biggest services we can do as business is to do that for the community. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I, I, I mean, I can see behind you guys, you guys facilitate that you have a fucking explosive, uh, <laughs> sign behind you. So of course they feel at home, uh, and we all, the best thing for, for combat vets is to be around other combat vets to not feel alienated or isolated or like a fucking weirdo that you don't fit in with anybody. So that's awesome. What you guys are doing. You, you have a, a good team over there and you guys are, you've continuously growing. Uh, you said you're about to outgrow your second building there and you guys have a lot of potential because you're, there's nobody else that can even be on par with you guys because you guys can do these crazy requests and do these fucking monster garage type builds with weapons. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing to see two guys come together on just circumstance and build a, a great company off of it. Right. It's been working out so far. Yeah. Well, again, <laughs> I, I would say that, uh, I don't give a shit what your background is. A lot of us say, uh, you weren't filling the blank. So therefore I'm going to keep you at arm's length. Uh, but sitting next to me is a very, uh, driven, intelligent, we'll leave it at that kind of dude. And, uh, we wouldn't be where we were without Mark. Yeah. Aww. And, uh, I think it's, uh, what is it like the, the secret to success isn't being the master of everything. It's finding people smarter than you and surrounding yourself with them. So don't ask me about guns. I'll put you to Nathan. He knows fucking everything, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't ask me about social media. That's Mark's deal. Right. Yeah. So again, having the ability to build this family that we have, and that's what I really believe we have. Uh, it's not a platitude, man. We, we support each other and that's been key to our success. Well, look, guys, um, thank you so much for coming on. Um, both of you have a crazy background. Mark, you, your fucking story went all over the damn place as far as your, your, your career. And you could have easily just been like, fuck this, I'm done with this. But you, you took it a step further, went to contracting, which led you to meet Sam and which now you guys have a fucking awesome company. And Sam, you went from doing something completely that you didn't feel like uh, satisfied or fulfilled you to becoming a freaking Green Beret like a legendary green beret and you kickstarted your company and then now you guys both come together. So it's, it's, it's awesome to see what you guys are doing. I'm excited to see going and explore your Instagram page and see that fucking pirate gun or whatever wild shit you guys have, uh, <laughs> coming in the, in the future. Yeah. Yeah. We, we post very regularly on Instagram. There's damn near something cool coming out of that, out of the machine shop every day. So, well, Yes. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for your service, uh, Mark, and thank you for your service, Sam. Absolutely, man. Yeah, thank cool you. Cool talking, man. Thanks again. Right. Appreciate right. you having Take us Take care, man. All right. Have a good one. Bye. All right, but that wraps up today's episode with uh, 
Mark and Sam. Definitely go check out their uh, their their website. It's they said it's www.therockguns.com. Again, that's www.therockguns.com. They can facilitate uh, ranges, long range if need be, our basic uh, pistol, rifle, and they can build you some wild shit. Definitely go follow them on Instagram and go check out their website and go buy some shit for them. Till next time, cast her out.